Mark 14, 26 to 31. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. And Peter said to him, Even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, If I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated. Morning, everybody. Just want to take a moment to welcome everybody to the live stream. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Especially want to extend a special welcome to anybody. If this is your first time interacting with Christ Community, boy, I'm bummed. I'm sorry. I wish you were right here with me. I wish that we could meet and talk in person, and hopefully we can do that. Uh, I'll just reiterate what we're going to reiterate again um, in that, that link that Tyler pointed to you to earlier today, there's also a list of our upcoming uh, times that we're going to have our Sunday meeting gatherings, but also locations. Two weeks from today, we're going to be in person again, and I'm very much looking forward to it. Today was just perfect. It was, I was aching to be outside with you guys again, but we'll get together soon. Um, I'm thankful, too, that, that the Lord's Spirit's with you where you are. And I'm, I've been praying that the Lord would meet you where you're at, no matter where you're at in your life, but also where, you're, where you find yourself this morning. We're really glad that you're here, um, especially those of you who are new. Um, my name's Craig, uh, Craig Cody. I'm one of the elders here at Christ Community, and um, just thankful that we have an opportunity to open God's Word today. We have been going through the Gospel of Mark. Uh, Mark is really, just to give you a little bit of context, is divided into two parts. Some of you have heard me say this a million times, two parts answering two essential questions to all of life. Very essential. Part one, the question that it's answering is, who is Jesus? Part two, in light of who he is, what does it mean to follow him? Who is he? What does it mean to follow him? Right now, we're squarely in part two, which is kind of interesting if you think about it. The question, what does it mean to follow him? Because this isn't a book of rules and regulations. It isn't like, okay, this is who he is. Now here's how you follow him. It's not that. It's a narrative. It's a story. But through the story, we learn what it means to be Jesus's disciple. And that's what we're looking at again today, just giving you the big picture of what we're diving into. Tyler was just alluding to it as he prayed, but it's, it's been another hard week for our country. A week ago today, Jacob Blake was shot by police. Um, what exactly happened? How it got to that point, officials are still sorting that out, and so I don't want to rush to judgment, but, but for a country already on edge for so many different reasons, it's yet another gut punch. That's what it felt like to me. And after it happened, people took to the streets, and social media, and they were seeking some sort of a response to get assurances, um, primarily from elected officials, um, that there's going to be an end to injustices. They wanted a promise, a promise that would be kept on, on a basic human right, equal justice for all. Meanwhile, while that's going on in our country, you all well know this, the election cycle is bearing down on us. We've had back-to-back weeks, so the last, last two weeks, of 
first Democrats and then Republicans touting their various promises to us. They're going to do this. We're going to do that. Here's the promises we kept. And while that is going on, we get promises from someone somewhere that there's going to be a vaccine some, sometime soon, that the Big Ten is going to have a football season, that schools are going to reopen, and on and on and on. Promises, promises, promises. We make them. Sometimes we keep them. Sometimes we don't. We break them. God makes them. God makes promises. and He never breaks them. You want a leader thinking about the people in the streets, thinking about the things that we ache for in our heart. You want a leader who's going to keep every promise he's ever made, who will fight for justice perfectly, even if it costs him his life to do it? Do you want a leader who's powerful enough to affect the change that you so desire in our world, to bring peace? Do you want a leader that you can always, think about that, always trust. His name is Jesus. That's who we're looking at here. I, I firmly believe this. I firmly believe that we, the church, by the power of God, need to rise up right now. I'm talking about Christ's community, the church at large, but I'm talking about us specifically. We need to rise up as a stabilizing force in a world that is shaking and unsteady. Because not only does the Bible say that we are the pillar and buttress of the truth, you feel the sturdiness there? The pillar and buttress of the truth. But the rock that that pillar and buttress are, stand, are standing on, the rock on which we stand, the, how, the, the rock on which the house is built, is the only rock that will never move. The steady rock of ages, God himself. We come today to a text well, that's just introduction. We're coming to a text today that highlights just how, how steady the promises of God are. How steady and true Jesus is. And how unsteady man is. How unsteady I am. How unsteady we are. Today we're going to see promises kept and promises broken. But throughout, I, I want you to keep this question in mind. Here's, here's the key question as we enter in. When it comes to making promises and keeping promises, who am I? And who is God? When it comes to making and keeping promises, who am I and who is God? Through this passage, we're going to see that though our promise keeping often fails, there's a Savior that loves us still and whose promises never fail. Let's ask for his blessing one more time on this time together. Father, God of all, transcendent, holy God, you are the rock of ages a cleft, a hiding place, a shelter for me and for us. We take refuge in you right now. Come and speak to us through your word and press it into our hearts, Lord. Press into our hearts your precious and very great promises. Like Abraham, give us faith to see and believe them, those promises. Make us like you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, here we go. If you like outlines, um, Here's how we're going to tackle that, that big question I asked at the beginning, and we're going to structure our time. We're going to go through four things. Um, a promise in a song. Two, a promise in a prophecy. Three, a promise failed. And then number four, the greatest promise. Here's the first one, a promise in a song. Look at verse 26 again. Something we can just fly by, but catch it. And when, the song, when, and when they had sung a hymn, 
they went out to the Mount of Olives. Let's get a little context for this. The greatest meal, the most important meal ever hosted has just come to a close. That's uh, the Lord's Supper. He had just broke bread and poured out the wine with them. Pat talked about that last week. And, And like many devout Jews of the time, at the close of the Passover, they sang a song together. It was a hymn. And this hymn was actually part, a standard part of the Passover experience. The song was, was sung antiphonally, um, which is you've got, a, you've got group A and you've got group B. Uh, it's a song leader and, or a group and then uh, another group or, or just a single singer. And now it, it doesn't have to be just uh, one person here and a group there or a group of people here and one person there. It can be all kinds of different combinations. But in this case, it was almost certainly led by Jesus because he was the host of the meal, remember? The leader then would sing a line, and then the choir responds. And if you're trying to get a picture of what this song might have been like, I remember like some songs that I sang when I was at camp where you would sing a line, and then the, the other people would repeat the line. Like I remember this song was like, I will call upon the Lord, and then everybody else would sing, I will call. It's like that sort of a thing. Except in this case, when Jesus was singing it, that call and response song, uh, after Jesus would sing a phrase, then the disciples would respond to what he sang by singing hallelujah. Hallelujah. Highest praise to God. What Jesus sang, and this, this, this hymn was commonly known, it was sung by, by all Jews at the end of the Passover meal, came from Psalms 114 through 118. So just think about what Jesus was singing. He, would sing, he sang lines like these. Psalm 116 says this, What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation. Think about what he just did. That, Pass- that Passover meal, that cup, the new covenant in his blood. I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. He had just offered to the disciples the cup of salvation. And now in this moment, as he's singing these things, would would Jesus pay his vow for his people? That's the question that's hanging over the time. Psalm 117. Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol him, all peoples, for great is his steadfast love toward us and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. He's, remember, he's, he's the worship leader here. He's leading worship for his disciples, and he's inviting them to worship. Hallelujah. Highest praise to God. But not only from his disciples, not only from Jews, as he sings this line, this worship, this worship leading is for all nations, for all peoples. And then near the end, he sang this phrase from Psalm 118. This is verse 17 from Psalm 118. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. And then skipping down to verse 22. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So picture that. He is singing these truths over them. It may have seemed 
to the disciples like a common song, a normal conclusion to an important holiday. But to the cosmos, to all creation, it was meekly announcing that the day, the day had come where man would be reconciled to God. The promises of God to redeem his people were true. This marvelous work of God, the day of salvation, had come in Jesus Christ. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. It had come. So just consider that moment for Jesus. Surely his heart ached for what was to come. He came to give his life as a ransom for sin, bearing the awful weight of sin. And yet he stares down death, hell, Sin, he stares it down with all of its horrific effects that sin has. And he sings this song of deliverance. Do you hear, do you hear Jesus singing the song of deliverance for you, over you? Do you you recognize that he kept his promise sung so long ago for you and for me? Do you have ears to hear that song this morning? Or is that song being drowned out? I can be hard of hearing sometimes. I'm serious. I can. Especially when there's a lot of other ambient noise around, a lot of other noises that are going on around me. Um, and, And there is a lot of noise going on in the world right now. A lot of other things that are buzzing in our ears. Do you spend... Five minutes in the Word of God, hearing His voice, and five hours on CNN, Fox News, Facebook, Twitter? What do you give your eyes, your ears, your heart to? I read a a study this week saying that during COVID, screen screen time for many has spiked to nearly 13 hours a day. That's 90 hours a week. All that we consume shapes us and molds us. And it's particularly difficult, I think, during the pandemic time because we, we have less other things to form us and shape us, in particular, time together as a faith family. And therefore, we're potentially, we have more time to be formed, to be shaped by what the world says about things. Do you hear the song that Jesus sings Maybe you have to strain this morning. Maybe that's the position you find yourself in. You, you haven't been listening to him very much lately. You've got to strain to hear it. Maybe it's hard to hear that song these days. Maybe it's being clouded out by the other noise that's coming into your life. Maybe days on days on days of isolation and confusion and injustices and racism can make you feel like, like you're drowning in life or like you're numb or you're just apathetic or your heart is just growing dull. Come thou fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy grace. That's what that song line says. That's the cry of this season. Call out to the Spirit to tune your heart to sing of his grace. And then get your ears, get your eyes, get your mind, get your heart into the words of the song, so to speak. Get into his word. Fill your mind with truth from there. Solid, unshakable truth. Get on your knees. Seek the Lord in prayer in whose presence there's fullness of joy. Get into community. Sundays are important. Sundays are really important, very important. 
But Sundays are what, 90 minutes? 90 minutes long that you're here with me on this screen? Then what community do you have? What other inputs are you coming into your mind? This is something you have to fight for right now, maybe more than ever, especially in this COVID time. But this is a key component for any follower of Jesus. I'm going to say more about that later. Jesus sang, when Jesus was singing that that Psalm 114 through 118, he's singing the promises of the ages. And those promises were kept. It can be easy to let noise, the other ambient noise, the other outside noise, drown out the voice of our living and risen Lord. I sure know that that can happen because it happens to me. I just want to share a brief story, though, to remind you, to encourage you, that he is still at work. He is risen and living. His promises still are true and they are still happening. He does save. The song does go on and it's among us. There was a man from Iran that had been coming to International Church. Many of you know about International Church. It meets on Sunday nights. It's part of Christ's community. We meet together in people's homes and just have a really simple service where um, we break bread together, we sing songs together, we proclaim the gospel together. He had been coming to that, and he heard the gospel many times through the course of our time together. He seemed interested but never trusted Jesus. And he made his way to another city in the United States with a, with a job that he had got. Well, Dan Wang, who, who many of you know, had connected him with another Christian there um, who took him to his church and was studying the Bible with him. And just a couple weeks ago, he went to his weekly Bible study with that man there in the city where he lived. And then Dan received this text um, from the leader of the Bible study about that time. And the text said this, From the moment this man from Iran walked in, a Muslim man, he was glowing and very happy. After catching up a bit, he shared, Last Sunday was the best day of my entire life. I put my faith in Jesus. That man is now a brother, a brother in Christ. The song of Jesus' salvation for all peoples carries on, brothers and sisters. He's the Savior who keeps his promises. So are you listening? Do you hear him? With this song on his lips, Jesus leads the disciples on the 20-minute walk to the, to the Mount of Olives his promise to give his life as a ransom for many was about to be put to the test. We're just going to get to the front end of that test now. And now we're on to point number two, a promise and a prophecy. This is verses 27 and 28. I'll read those again. And Jesus said to them, You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I'm raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Now this is an amazing thing. They walk to the last place that they're going to be together, the Mount of Olives, and he prepares them for what is about to happen, a promise that he's going to keep. And he, he quotes a prophecy, and Tyler mentioned it earlier, it's a prophecy from Zechariah 13. The, the prophecy says this, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. And then he looks at them, and this is what I find amazing, and he says plainly, you will all fall away. Fall away. That is, uh, be offended by him, some translations say that, or stumble over him. You, this is what Jesus is saying, you, you don't want to associate with me because you don't want to receive the treatment I'm about to endure. 
Jesus knew this day would come. He knew that on this day, there on the Mount of Olives, the darkest day where he was heading to the cross, he would be abandoned by his disciples. All of them. He knew their hearts. He knew their weaknesses so well. He knew that they would all, in that moment, swear up and down that they would never forsake him, but that they would. He even knew Peter would emphatically say that he'd be with Jesus to the death, but he would instead deny him three times. Yet, Jesus chose them. He chose them. He gave them the front row seats, the positions of highest privilege, the access to him, to see his his many miracles, to hear his his wonderful teaching of being present there, the honor of hearing his, his voice, of being in his presence day after day. And he knew all along the way that in his darkest hour, they would not keep their promises. There is a lot you can say about that, but there is so much comfort and help for us here. Comfort and help. The Lord Jesus does not cast you off because of your failures, weaknesses, imperfections. He knows who you are. He knows you. And just like a, like a husband and a wife, he, he takes you with all your imperfections and shortcomings, and he loves you. And he will never leave you. Jesus is so glorious, so beautiful in the ways he passes over our sin. He, he had just broke the bread and poured out the cup to celebrate the Passover meal. Well, he is greatly glorified in passing over sin. He covers our sin with his blood. He knew you. He knew who you were before you knew him, before you trusted him. He knew you were sinful, corrupted, wicked, stained, guilty, broken, helpless, shameful. He knew that. He knows what you'd be like after you were born again, after you trusted in him, weak, easily mistaken, frail. He, he, he knows you, yet he loves you. Jesus, the great shepherd, loves his sheep, and he will give his life for them. Here's another thing I've been thinking about, too, that this brings to, to light. Jesus, Jesus is so beautiful in his abundant love for sinners, for us. And he, he loves his sheep. He loves his people so much in their brokenness, failures, weaknesses, and sins. So who are we to look down on others in condemnation and in pride? They're his sheep. If Jesus looks at wayward sinners like this, who are we to hate others? If he is so gracious and kind, who are we to push them down and show no grace to them? The Lord Jesus, I'm going to say this too. I find this more easy than ever in these COVID times. My fuse can just be so short. My, my ability to just get angry or to, to, to scrunch my brow and want to mentally or verbally want to tear people down. Maybe people I don't even know. Maybe people on TV. Maybe people on Twitter. The Lord Jesus bears with, their weak, with weaknesses and failings. With mine, we ought to, too. Because the fact remains, we are weak and frail, too. And he has been so kind to us.
Let's keep pressing on. Verses 29 through 31. This is a promise failed. Peter said to him, even though they fall away, I will not. Verse 30. And Jesus said to him, truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. Peter emphatically heavily, that's what the word means, he emphatically, he heavily promises that he will, no matter what, no matter what anyone else does, you see how he does that? I'm not like those guys. He will not deny Jesus. And as Peter goes on, the other disciples pledge their faithfulness too. Everyone said the same. Even if we die, we're with you to the end. This is such a common and tragic human error. Brothers and sisters, beware of your ignorant self-confidence. Beware of your ignorant self-confidence. In a matter of 12 hours, Peter and the whole group will go from proclaiming faithfulness to Jesus to the very end, even if death came, to denying him outright. 12 hours. What does that say about us? What does that say about me, about you? It says because we, we are so similar to the disciples in this, it says that we know very little about our own hearts. The posture of the disciple of Jesus is without a doubt humility. It is the soil, humility is, it is the soil in which grows all virtue. To boast of what you will do for God is pride and foolishness. What you will do in your own effort Proverbs sixteen eighteen, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Our hearts are simply much more wicked and weak than we think. We're far weaker than we think. And if not for the grace of God, all of us would dive headlong into all manner of sin. Proverbs 28, 26. Whoever trusts in his own heart is a fool. That's me. That's, just to be honest, that's me. That's me. I, I, just was, I was thinking about this issue as a whole, but I want to narrow it down to one particular issue, an area where I think COVID has brought this to light, um, the sin of ignorant self-confidence. Many of us feel like during this time of COVID that we can, um, through this season, no matter how long it goes, we can press through on our own without brothers and sisters in Christ, apart from the life of the church. Many of us feel like we just need to wait it out. We can just watch this live stream and then uh, our weeks go on just like, like nothing else happened in regard to Christ or the church, apart from any other Christian influence or interaction with other Christians. And I want to be clear about that. That's not okay. You can't do the Christian life alone. And COVID puts us in a particularly dangerous place where going it alone becomes incredibly, comes just very easily, right? Very naturally. It's so much easier to stay at home, to stay in your pajamas, to stay away from people. In some ways, that's true. But that will breed apathy. Apathy in the most important part of your life, what you were made for, knowing God. Let me, not, let me just qualify it here. I, I want to say this. I'm not saying that you must run to be physically present with other people. But what I am saying is you might need to consider it. 
if it's, if it's a desperate situation. What I am saying is that if you pridefully overestimate your ability to walk with Jesus on your own, you have put yourself in a precarious situation. You isol- if you isolate yourself from others, you're going to lose your sense of what's true and what's right. You need other brothers and sisters in your life. So whether it's Zoom, this is what I'm talking about. So whether it's Zoom or parks or a Sunday morning watch party or whatever it is, do not overestimate your ability. Do not overestimate your ability to go it alone, but rather confess your weakness. That's why songs are written that say things like prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. That's the nature of our hearts. Confess your weakness and seek community. That's for all of us. Last week, I heard one 60-something-year-old man share about a particularly tragic 2020. During his lifetime, he's lost two children and one this year. He talked about God's power, even in these dark days, to sustain his faith through all that. And then immediately after he shared, uh, another man shared right after, a 70-something-year-old man. They're good friends. How beautiful it is to see that kind of faith, too, that weathered the storms. The 70-something shared then about how the 60-something's faith had been such an encouragement to him that God's keeping of his friend stirred his own faith too. And that 70-something went on to describe that that's, that's how faith is built in the family of God. It's kind of like logs in a fire. You put one log in a fire, it's going to burn for a short time and go out. But you put, you stack those multiple logs on a fire, it's going to burn longer, brighter, stronger. That's us. We need each other so desperately. Do not overestimate your ability to follow Jesus on your own. Please, brothers and sisters, do the hard work of getting into community. Whether it's small groups, MCs, or showing up at the outdoor gatherings, or getting on a Zoom call, or even reaching out to to me or one of the other elders, we will get you connected. Reach out. Don't ever estimate yourself. The grace is there for you to receive. And here's the last one, the greatest promise. Here's the thing. Peter and uh, the disciples, they didn't need to boast about what they were going to do. Jesus had already promised something far greater than their resolve, but they missed it. Let's read it again. Verse 28. After I'm raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Did you catch that? The disciples didn't. He will rise. Jesus is going to ride. Don't let the words of Christ just sail past you. This is connected to some of the points I was making earlier. He told them he would rise again. And because they missed it, because they didn't hear it, when the guards came, the Roman guards, they ran away. And when he died, they despaired. And when he rose, they doubted. What a perfect picture of human nature that is. This is so true of us. This is so true of me. We gloss over the promises of God or we don't take time to read and consider them. And then when calamity strikes, when difficulties come, we don't know what to do. Prepare yourself, brothers and sisters. Prepare yourself for the inevitable difficulties and trials and battles that are ahead now by drinking deeply from the well of the word of God. You must be shaped and formed and reinforced by the word of God. You must arm yourself now for the battle. You must listen carefully to sermons. 
Yeah, I said it. You have to listen carefully to sermons. I'm not claiming to be the greatest preacher in the world, believe me. But the fact remains that the Word of God is the true food that you need. You need to listen carefully to the two sermons. You need to listen to Him. Consider His Word to you. Store it in your heart. And when the darkness rises, you will know what to do. He will be there. It will be a steady foundation, a rock to stand on. So at the beginning, I asked a question. When it comes to making and keeping promises, who am I and who is God? When it comes to making and keeping promises, who am I and who is God? Jesus made promises in song and in prophecy, and he kept them. Our God keeps his promises. And us, we're like the disciples, right? Ignorantly self-confident, often overestimating our ability. So what are we to do? Live your life humbly trusting the God who does not change, whose promises never fail. Listen to his word. Confirm it in prayer. Live it in community. Do you know that he knows your weaknesses and loves you still? He chose you still? Come to him. Do you sometimes overestimate your strength and resolve to follow him? Confess your weakness And come join the company of other blood-bought sinners just like you. Are you ready for the difficulties and trials to come? Listen to his word. Feast on his word. Read his word. Arm yourself for the fight of faith. Brothers and sisters, Jesus does not only say to the disciples that he's going to rise again. He says, I will go before you to Galilee. They'd only remember it later, but this once more is grace to them. After I rise from the dead, I'll meet you there. That's what Jesus said. I'm going to continue to be your leader. You're going to fail me. I still want you as my companions. He treats them like they never turned from following him. Jesus rose. He's alive. He is with you. In all your weaknesses and failures, he loves you. And he will meet you there. He will meet you where you need him. So much grace is available to you through Jesus Christ. Go to him. He will meet you there. Let's pray. Lord, come and meet us. We so desperately need you. Lord, stir our hearts to obey your word to us today. Help us, Lord, to honestly despair of our own efforts, but trust and lean on your powerful promises to us. Fill us with your spirit and give us strength to obey your good word to us today. Thank you for your spirit that lives in us, that gives us power and strength today. In Jesus' name, amen.